1: Got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I got expensive, the wind is expensive. I've been out of water. Yes, when it rain and welcome to put that coffee down. This is the freight sells show for closers. My name's Kevin Hill. I'm your host for the next half hour where we talk about freight sales, we talk about freight broker sales, we talk about customer sales, carrier sales, everything in between. We also talk about entrepreneurship, and that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. Sales and entrepreneurship are just uh, two sides of the same coin. Um, But we're going to talk about five simple steps to follow when solving problems. Um, Problems are, are a fact of life. And how you solve problems, how you attack them, is the difference between success and failure in many cases. We'll have Michael Fulham. He's a co-founder of Togo Logistics. Come on. It's a new venture, a new project, and it's kind of a new business model as, as well. It's, it's unique, and we'll talk about you know the five simple rules of solving problems and how they apply to just starting and running a business. They're very applicable uh, for that. But first, I want to talk about the market for just a few minutes. Uh, you know, it's peak season. We're coming out with peak season right here. And what do you know? There, there's not much of a peak season this year in the the freight markets. And one of those reasons is certainly, you know, this shift in the consumer, shift in spending patterns um, from goods to the services. There's a buildup of in inventory in, in 2021, as everyone was uh, fighting and competing for uh, ship space, for truck space, any kind of capacity they could get to, um, to get products on the shelves because of the, the, the soaring uh, economy and the, the buying spree by consumers in 2021. So let us start up our first graph here. Uh, this is our ocean chart that we have played out here. And there's a lot of callouts here. This goes back to 2019. Back to the full, full pull forwards um, in late 2019 to, to beat the tariffs in 2020, we all thought there was a lot of ocean activity uh, during that, that stretch, um, you know, kind of an extended peak season going up to January 1st of 2020, it pells in comparison to what happened during the pandemic, that first um, clearing out of China before lockdowns, you see that spike there in early of 2020. Uh, Then the crash where you had a lot of blank sailings uh, during the the real lockdowns, especially here in the the U.S., where uh, virtually everything closed down for about a month. And then the ramp up of uh, people still staying at home, still buying goods, a lot of e-commerce activity going on into 2021, where, you know, I mean, container rates went up to to $20,000 a container. They're back down to to sub 3000 now you just saw this panic buying, uh, certainly in in the first stages in March of 2020, you saw panic buying by the consumer, stocking up, buying toilet paper. Um, but in in the summer of 2021, you saw that panic buying transferred to, transferred to, to corporations who could virtually sell anything they have on the shelves, but they couldn't keep their shelves full. So you had this competition that that bit up ocean ocean freight, and that, that really extended through last Christmas through around April or May of this year, where uh, a lot of retailers just got stuck holding the back. I mean, they, they have a lot of inventory now. Uh, the consumers shifted. The economy kind of opened up. Travel opened up. So you have a lot of, uh, a lot of additional spending or a shift of spending to services right now. A lot of that's travel experiences. Everyone's getting on a plane. Uh, so we're Bank of America credit card data showed, I, I think air travel's up, or travel, I should say, is up about 15% year over year, where department stores are down 15% year over year on, on spending through debit cards or credit cards. So you see this crash, and it kind of leads up to the inventory numbers I'll show right here. And this is a cohort of, kind of let's say, the top six retailers. Department store retailers. So if you think about Macy's, Nordstrom's, Kohl's, um, TJ Maxx, Ross, some of the discounters, Dillard's uh, as well, you see this this inventory. You get rolling through 2019, all of a sudden, uh, you know, a big drawdown in the inventories in 2020. During that, you know, stay at home, buy things for a home, buy things for, uh, for, for, you know, physical goods, really, because you can spend it too much on services. See that ramp up, you know, that recovery, that panic buying in 2021 and ad- additional growth in 2022, I think it's 28% above where it was 2021. So this peak season, you're not seeing a lot of freight activity. What you will probably see is a lot of sales going into Christmas. Uh, they're probably just starting to ramp up because whatever doesn't get really doesn't get sold by December 25th or December 31st is going to be much cheaper in the the, the first half of, of next year so retailers want those off the shelf back into our normal cycle uh, of activity I, I think I was going through the numbers this morning and typically you know that cohort of retailers 2 to 4% growth would be a good year kind of tracks the economy um kind of you know it's, it's declining businesses as well so Really slow growth, but you saw a a forty eight percent uptick between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one in sales growth. And you know that type of volatility is it's hard to forecast. It's hard to order for. There's a reason why freight was booming, truckload was booming, maritime was going off the the, the charts, and you see this this glut of inventory now. And you know there's no activity in freight markets that, that signify a peak season at all in twenty nineteen. I think in the in, in December, the last freight recession, right, going to December of 2019, we, we hit double-digit outbound tender rejection rates, which showed you know kind of that that peak movement. I don't know if we'll hit double digits this year, and we're we're sitting at just above four percent nationally on outbound tender rejections, and and there's going to be have. We might hit 10% for a week, maybe 12%, but it's it's going to be very muted, almost non-existent, really. If we go to the next chart really quick here, guys, and we will see top retailers in orange. So that's our cohort of the the six department stores, plus Walmart, Target, Homes, uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, and also Best Buy. In there, so you can see they're up about twenty five percent year over year inventory wise. Out of uh, I think there's ten or eleven names in that basket uh, of retailers, and then you have Amazon all on its own fifty percent increase in inventory. They really went all in on e commerce. We saw this week, yesterday, the announcement of ten thousand layoffs in Amazon. It goes throughout the entire Amazon portfolio of businesses, but a lot of that has to do with those you know that that an extra prime day this year. So we'll see how Amazon focuses through, powers through uh the, the pandemic, but they really they I think they doubled their warehousing space in 2020, 2021. You see those inventories grow 50%. And that is a, a problem that's an opportunity costs. We'll talk about simple steps here in a second, uh, uh, about solving problems, but you know, you have a lot of cash tied into inventory that is declining in value. I mean, every day that inventory is sitting there is costing you for storage. But right now in this market, it is really, truly declining in, in value because anything sold at a future date, you talked about the sales in January and February of anything that was unsold uh, before Christmas, you're going to probably see a lot of great deals. But that's the market. That's peak season. We're heading into that. Next week is Thanksgiving already. I can't believe 2022 is, is already almost done. It's just been a quick year. It's been an exciting year. Um, And, you know, if you're opening up a business, it always is an exciting year, and we'll get to that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about Triumph Pay, because Triumph Pay is the payments network for trucking. Triumph Pay creates cost and time efficiencies and reduces risks, so carriers can get paid quickly and safely. Our network provides brokers, shippers, and factors transparency across the entire payment process log on to triumphpay.com to to learn more. Once again, that's triumphpay.com. And you can learn more uh, about the services over there at Triumph Pay. But now let's bring on our our guest for the show today. It's Michael Fulham. He's co-founder of Togo Logistics out in the, the Philadelphia area. Michael, great to see you. Great talking to you again. How are you doing today?
0: Good. Good to see you, Kevin. Thanks for having me. If you haven't noticed, I am from Philadelphia. I'm a Philadelphia fan. <laughs> with the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about the World Series. Sorry about the World Series. Thanks, are Kev. are you a Phillies fan? Thanks, Kev. Absolutely. All four sports. We'll get there. You know, we we're surprised this year with how far we got. We're gonna get some more pieces. And we're gonna win it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we're getting a little bit of feedback on, on your mic. If I, I don't know if you can you can fix that real quick, but um I, think we are. But let, let's talk about your new venture, Togo Logistics. You, you branched out, you have Sand Table Logistics. This is a, a little bit of a different business model. You're a freight broker at heart, C.H. Robinson guy came out. Can you give us a little bit about your background and, and, and kind of to, Togo Logistics and kind of that business model?
0: Yeah, so I was with C.H. Robinson for some time, I think 13 years. Um, and then I joined Reed CMS, I was with them for about three years. Uh, And at the end of 2021, decided to start a business and uh, we got off to a great start. And throughout the year, um, through funny enough, a lot of the things uh, that we're going to talk about today started finding new ways to create value and finding new ways to um, develop our business. And that's where the the genesis of Togo came from. So January 1, we're going to be releasing a new website, a new brand. Uh, a new value proposition, and, and we're very excited about it. It's essentially um, centered around providing four PL services, business process outsourcing to small carriers, small intermediate size shippers, and other logistics companies.
1: Cool, 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 cool. So, uh, and part of this, uh, you know, starting a new business, you, you have a lot of challenges. You have a, a lot of uh, you know challenges, issues. Problems, things have to be solved. You know, your business model has to solve a problem for the for your customers and for your prospects. But just getting up off the ground, you have uh, it's, it's a it's a lot to, to bite off. There's a lot of little straggly problems running around all the time, whack a mole uh, fires all over the place. So I, I found an article. It's 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 an interesting article. It's, it's based on a book. It's, it's from A J Jacobs. It's the puzzler one man's quest to solve the most baffling puzzles ever from crosswords to jigsaws to the meaning of life. And, you know, life is a puzzle. Business is a puzzle. Uh, It's your unique puzzle, right? You start one business and you have this whole set of, of, you know, jigsaw puzzles and pieces that you put together. You start another business or or someone else does. It's a whole different puzzle set.
0: Yeah. This, this article kind of hit home on, on every single point. Um, I I think, one of the things that really screamed out at me is when you're starting a business, like you said, there's a lot to take on. There's a lot of anxiety and stress. And sometimes that, that stress can lead to not the clearest of thoughts. And if you find ways to kind of quiet that stress, um, what happens is you stop forcing stuff. Um, and I think if, if you have to force things, you're not really creating value because value should speak for itself. And once you let go of some of those things that cloud your mind when you're trying to solve problems, start to realize that there's very easy ways to create value and it's right in front of you, but uh, your, your frustration or your distractions have gotten in the way. So I think calming yourself down, kind of leaning into the easy ways, the simple ways uh, to create value and, and following that uh, it was really how we came across the value position that's coming out next year. That's great. great. Um... Let's start with, with rule number
1: one right here real quick. Um, and this is all, you know, this is things that mistakes that, that we all make, things we do. Number one rule is, for way, is don't get furious, get curious. And I, I think a lot of times uh, you kind of have to, to work through this process and learn this sometimes is that, that there's problems everywhere. You know, life is is a series of problems and how you solve those problems that determine happiness, really. Um, So don't get furious, get curious. So I I always found it best to accept the problems, right? I I accept them, I I anticipate them, and I don't get mad about them anymore. I, I just... I, I get curious about it. I get curious. Okay, I, I got to solve this. Then I got to go over here and solve this. Then I got to go over this, solve this. And it's just really how creative you get in, in solving those problems is is how much enjoyment I feel in life. I don't know about yourself.
0: Yeah. In fact, it's a lesson that I've learned with from people like you that have experience being an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think working for larger corporations for a long time, you have a specific goal, you have a specific plan, and you got to do whatever it takes to achieve it. But in the entrepreneurial space, uh, if you took that approach, you'd get real angry real fast. And I think a better approach is that you're in position to conquer things, to get through problems, to you know, not necessarily just execute a plan. It's to, to, to figure things out and get past things. And if you have that mindset, you get a little bit less frustrated when problems occur. Instead, you look at them like an opportunity and you leverage your skill set to to get something from it, to make something of it. Yeah, I
1: think, you know, you mentioned large corporations. I think that's, that's one of the, the issues a lot of people have working with a, a large corporation because it's, it's so process oriented, which is good. You know, I mean, that's how a business should be, but it, it takes a little bit. I always felt that you're not really in control of your own destiny in a lot of ways, right? You're, you're kind of in a cog in the machine, if you will. So you don't get to, to solve problems the way you'd like to or the way that you think might work. It's uh, it's predetermined. It's pushed down. And um, and it can be a little bit suffocating for, for a lot of individuals. And that's why you see people quitting. Um, they 40 hour a week jobs to go work for themselves for 120 hours and, and have
0: uh, much more fun doing that. Yeah, definitely. The stress is different, right? And I'm, I'm sure you could attest to that, but the, the stress at a corporation, like you said, when a problem occurs, you're feeling a lot of pressure around you. There's a specific vision. There's a specific thing that needs to be accomplished. Um, some people thrive in that environment because I think things are a little bit more simple. In terms of what you have to accomplish but if you're an entrepreneur there might be more than one way to look at it uh and the 120 hours that you have to spend looking at it don't they don't feel like that it's all work uh some of them some of those hours are fun so it's not it's not i don't want to use the word painful because it's not always painful working for a corporation but there's definitely aspects of it that aren't as painful yeah
1: yeah, there are those really great aspects to it. I think one of the things that I always found is that you don't necessarily control your own destiny, right? You do, you do with your own business or in nimble organizations, you control your own destiny. But but there is that it's a different kind of stress, and it's a stress that I like much better than than not being able to control my own destiny. But you know, there's as you said, there's there's people who. Who thrive in that in that situation as well, and, and maybe I, I I would too at some point. But um, mm-hmm. I do like kind of being a nimble on my own. That's always fun. Um, second one, the second tip here is uh, chop your problem into bits, right? And I, I think this is, is is something that that we all learned a little bit in math class: is you can't solve the, the 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 full equation at once. You got to you got to chop it down and solve what you can. Um, Figure out, and there's another tip down here, find your toehold, right? It's 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 really breaking it down to the simplest unit and start solving that and building it out from there. You, you, it's a process. Everything's a process. Learning's a process. You're not going to get to an expert level in anything overnight. you got to start from ground zero, and you have to enjoy learning and and growing that or it's just you're you're not going to last you're going to quit
0: yeah this one this one's huge i think this one's applicable to being an entrepreneur it's applicable to being a salesperson um it's applicable for applicable to working for a large corporation i think that when you, you chop things into bits not only is it something where you can kind of clear your mind and actually address something instead of being overwhelmed by the whole thing. But when you start compartmentalizing and, and addressing certain things, you, you find a rhythm, you get some positive feedback, the next problem gets a little bit easier. And you also, I think, find ways, especially in what we do as entrepreneurs or salespeople, is you have to create value. You're usually creating value for someone else. So if you compartmentalize the problem, whether it be a customer's problem that you're trying to solve for or uh, your own business problems that you're trying to solve for, when when you chop it into bits, you might find that there's a whole solution or a whole business line uh, or a whole cell within that that specific bit that you've you've broken out. One of the things that that we came across in this process, and again, you know I come from the larger corporations where when they sold a a, a 4PL solution, it was this huge menu for this huge company. Um, And we were intimidated by the thought of that at first. But in engaging with our customers and creating some custom solutions, we started realizing that what they wanted was just a specific piece to be solved for. And once that was solved for in their own way, in a custom way, they wanted to chop the next one. And over time, the whole problem solved for. And getting there, you were a lot more effective... um, lot less stress and you figured out a way like i said before to create value so i think chopping problems into bits whether you're an entrepreneur or a salesperson or just a person in life is a huge uh, it's a healthy thing to do and an effective thing to do
1: yeah michael it's it reminds me of freight tech right and a lot of programs out there if you talk about tms right tms can do a thousand different things um but don't try to sell a thousand different things at once. So those thousand different features, right? There's probably one or two that you should focus on. Tackle those, get buy-in from that, and then then you expand out from there, right? You 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 can't go in with that broad vision. It's, it's got to be a very niche, specialized vision, and then you build out from there. And, and that's that's where, where the process should should land. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go to number three. Uh, this half hour is going by by quicker than I expected. Uh, turn the puzzle upside down or backwards or any other way. How I do this is I, I start with the most absurd or the, the craziest things, right? Maybe the most simple things. And then think about the entailments that come ar- across that because usually you can solve a problem, but it creates a hundred other problems, but I I start there. I start thinking about it in, in every wish way I can, usually the most absurd and crazy ways first get those out of the way. But it was a a nice thought experiment and uh, again, you know, everything is process.
0: Yeah. This one, this one actually comes naturally to me. I think I struggle more often with the, um, more by the book stuff. I love thinking outside of the box. I love looking at things. Um, from a different perspective, there was one podcast I heard um, and the the, the guest was someone that owned uh, a car renovation company. They took old classic cars and they made them into new awesome cars. And this person had a bunch of teams. Some teams did the exterior of the car. Some people did the tires. Some people did the interior. And anyway, they'd get this old, basically rust bucket of a car. They'd sit around a table and they'd have to design what they wanted to turn it into. And uh, the leader of this company was having problems because every time they'd sit down to design, the exterior people were fighting against the interior people and, and never really got to a place. And even if they got to a place of a design that they liked, actually executing it, the teams were still fighting. And One of the rules he put into place is that this team that got together to brainstorm how to renovate this car had to build a design three different times as a group, each time being completely different than the one before. And at the end of building it or designing it three times, they were able to pick the best parts out of each one, or expose a different way to do it. Maybe something that was off the cuff, um, and the designs got a lot better. Not only did the design get better, but actually executing the design got a lot better. So I think thinking from a different way, flipping things over, being willing to to make mistakes or say some things that might sound, you know, stupid, uh, is a good way to brainstorm and get through problems. Because a lot of times you just Tunnel vision, or you're locked in, and just exploring opens the mind a little bit.
1: It it does, and that's a really good process that, that they put in place. When you're starting a business, you have to think different because you you have to do you have to do the same thing everyone else is doing, but in a different way, and in a more productive way, more value oriented way. So, if you're just copying other people word for word or process for process, you're not really bringing anything different to the table, and it's hard to succeed. That way, you have to you have to think different. You have to think about the problem differently and propose a solution that no one else has out there, and that is uh, a key to success. Whether that's your own company or sales, it does not matter uh, either way. Uh, let me go through these these next two really quickly because we're running out of time here. Uh, be supremely flex- flexible, right? And my thought of this is everything's provisional, right? There's, there's always a better way. Uh, out there that you haven't discovered and maybe that's because you haven't thought about it or there's new technology or something happens in the market that all of a sudden becomes uh, a a better fit and then find the toehold. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Very important to do. I think it's the foundation for the other four is to find something that gets you excited, gets you curious, gets you thinking and whatever that that aspect of the problem might be, there, there's always something out there that gets you engaged and lets you go on. Um, Michael, uh, thanks for joining us today. I wish we had a little bit more time to to go through this, um, but yeah, thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. You bet. And so you can check out that on Fast Company those five things about solving problems. It's the, you know, the keys to success in sales and business. And with that, this is uh, Put That Coffee Down. We'll see you next Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when expensive. I got expenses because when expensive. I've out work. I've shutting down the